The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of MedPEP or Physician Health Services. The advice given to Marie Curious has been individualized and may not apply to the listener. While Marie Curious is a real person describing both real and hypothetical events and situations, she is using a pseudonym for this series. Welcome back to MedPEP, the Medical Professionals Empowerment Program. I'm your host, Dr. Les Schwab, a practicing internist, experienced leader, and now a professional coach. I help medical professionals navigate today's extremely complex and demanding practice environment. My partner, as always, is Dr. Marie Curious, a young internist who is determined not only to survive, but also to thrive amidst all these demands on her. We've had a series of conversations thus far between Marie, myself, and a visiting expert. The content of these has been largely about improving personal practices of resilience, of self-care, of emotional monitoring, and so forth, to enable one to keep up with these enormous demands of everyday practice. Well, today we're going to hit a recalibrate button. We've had enough to ask Marie how well it's going and to see how we might explore where we need to take it from here. Marie, good to see you again. Good to see you as always, Les. So, we've had a lot of sessions and we've heard about all of these topics and I just wondered in general, how are you doing with all of that? Thanks for asking. It definitely feels like a survey course focusing on self-improvement, self-monitoring, like you said. I was thinking about your words just now, and it, it very much feels like taking the vitals, so to speak, on how I'm doing from a practice perspective personally. And to be frank, it's been eye-opening. There's been a lot of various avenues that we've explored about being physical, mindfulness, just thinking about managing one's energy. We talked about the arousal level, also what I'm putting in energy-wise with what I eat is what I get out. You know, there's been a lot of things to take home. And I've practiced a few of these things. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I keep thinking this is like, where I've been asking you to drink from a fire hose. We've had all these wonderful experts who are very accomplished and have right. a lot of evidence for all these best practices, but the torrent of them all, I would imagine be hard to pick out and sustain even certain pieces of it on an, on an everyday continuing basis. Right, and it's like how we, how we treat our patients on a daily basis is all this advice, we have to put it into practice as a habit. And as all of us know, habits are very hard to form, but they're also hard to break, but we're in the forming process and I just, none of it has really germinated. Okay, well you've been very, Diligent, you know, part of our structures week to week, see if you can observe something about the information just given and see how does it apply or how can you change your practice a little with that information. You've been very diligent about making those observations and at times instituting mm -hmm. that a particular change. But as you say, it all adds up to a lot of good advice but difficulty to sustain as a long-term practice. Is, right. is that a fair statement? Definitely, and I think part of it is the accountability piece, perhaps. Who do I check in with 
week to week if we're not talking about taking time for a lunch break, for example, because you didn't ask about it, to be frank, Les. I knew that I didn't have to give an answer. And since several podcasts ago, I haven't taken a lunch break. I haven't, well, I did go outside to get something from my car, but that's separate. (laughs) Okay, well, a a breath of fresh air in the middle of the day anyway is probably better than, (laughs) than none, but. It's understood, and I think you come down to a key point. What is the accountability? What is, and part of that accountability is what is the structure that's going to allow you to check in consistently about is this happening or not? Right, and you know, I've drunk the Kool-Aid here, and I believe it. I think coaching can be very helpful. All of these tips and advice, they're fantastic, but for the practicing clinician out there, like myself, I mean, I don't have time right now to have a personal coach. So then who do I turn to for that checking in point? Are they members of my team? Is it another physician, somebody else in my practice? What What do you think, Les? Okay, so rather than provide a ready answer to that question, let's break it down a little more, okay? So one thing, and it does come from the coaching world, is to have a small and consistent test of change Mm. as opposed to a wide menu and to begin there and assure that first. So if I were to ask you, of all the things you've heard about, Mm -hmm. what do you think would be the one thing that might be an area where you might lay down a marker saying, I'm going to try this consistently? Yeah, I think moving forward, because as all physicians do, we like to be really efficient. So I'm hoping to knock out two birds with one stone. Uh, One is managing my arousal level during the day. And the second is taking time for a break, whether that's a lunch break or it's a walking break or a breathing break. To me, I feel like I can combine that because it would be achieving the same goal. Is that fair? Good. Well, I think I think it would have yield in both departments. Okay. That it would get your arousal level down to something good for preparing you for the next session. That's right. As well as be intrinsically rewarding to just be present in another sustaining reality of peace, environment, right. food, relaxation, whatever. And you know, Les, I yeah. just picked up on what you did because I have been listening. Oh, okay. <laughs> which is that you didn't give me a pat answer and you're trying to unpack it so that I'm coming up with the answer. I think, is that right? Absolutely, you're on to me, okay? Which is better. Absolutely, because I think jumping to the conclusion that you need a personal coach and how complex and difficult that would be, that's a non-starter. Right. And you said so as much. Nor do I think that's necessary. Yeah. I think it's figuring out in terms of what works for you, getting the focus, slowing it down to a sustainable pace of improvement. And the thing we still have to figure out is what's the accountability? How are you going to know that you're keeping it? Yes. Okay, but let's slow it down again to the focal area of taking a break. Okay. Does that seem like something you can work with? It can. I can't commit a whole half hour, for example, but I'm setting reasonable goals that I think would be achievable and sustainable over time. This is what I tell my patients all the time. We want to go for sustainable change. Perfect, so you already have some idea of how this works when you're in the coach role. Now you've gotta be in the receiver role. Uh, (laughs) But I think you get the idea very well. And so 
as with patients, if you were going to give them a sustainable small thing they can do, putting yourself in that role and me ask, could you restate what is that long-term goal? Huh. So I think the long-term goal, which I've never even articulated in my mind until now, is to get to a point in my daily practice where I can have a set amount of time to bring the arousal levels down to 20 to 30 in order to relax, regroup, and basically get rejuvenated for part two of the day. That's my long-term goal. Okay. And when you think about what that might look like, like paint the picture, what, what could it look like? Well, right now, realistically, I'm thinking five minutes in the stairwell or outside if the weather is nice permitting to do some deep breathing, lunch if that needs to be consumed, um, or even a little exercise. Because I remember way back when, Les, you mentioned that you take walks every day during your break. When I can, yes. It's not a 100% in full reveal, but yes, I do. <laughs> so perhaps I can go up and down the stairs in the stairwell for a little bit of exercise okay. too. Maybe so, that's too arousing, I'm not sure. Well, you'll find out. Okay. I mean, these are experiments and you are free to, to see what works. But what I hear is you need the five minutes. Like, yeah. so you need to guarantee that. Yes. Okay, and then you might fill it and experiment with any number of ways and find out what works. Okay. Okay, so the problem is finding the five minutes. Well, I do have a break midday on most days. And what do you do now with it? Work. Okay, well, don't we all have that huge inbox and want to plow yeah. through it? Yeah. Of course. But you've deciding there's a cost to it, I hear. Yes. Because it keeps you at that high level of arousal and kind of zaps you for the rest of the day. Right. That you're going to try and see if bringing yourself down allows you to sort of have more vigor for the rest. So you're going to have to disrupt that work through. Less, you know, it just occurred to yep. me that I'm the patient. <laughs> right now. Okay. You're the you're the client. I'm <laughs> okay, the coach. Client. Because I just had this conversation four times today with four different patients okay. about various things. Right. Medication adherence. Okay. So when the patient said, I can't, I'm too busy, what do you say to them? Say, we have to trust and believe in the long-term benefits that this will give. Okay. We have to give it a fair trial because it is an experiment, whether it's medication, dietary change, whatever it may be. And I classically tell patients for a lot of things, you've got to do it faithfully every day, whatever it may be, for two weeks. And then you can come back to tell me if it really failed or if it worked. So I have to do that myself with this five minutes. I have to be faithful. And I think I, I'm not going to repeat what you just said because it's exactly what I would have said, perhaps allowing just a little bit of freedom for it to fail <laughs> okay. now and then, okay. simply because you may find that this experiment does need to be conducted. Right. But you may find there are things that inhibit it that are fair game for evaluating it. So you okay. give yourself just a little freedom to sort of have it work or not, but to give it a fair shake in okay. some way. Okay. And you're absolutely right. I think to see if it benefits you, to see whether it can be sustained, you're going to need to try it for a while. Yeah. I totally agree with it. Like flossing. Exactly. <laughs> and at some point that becomes something that is no, no big deal. That's exactly right. That's I right. want it to become a habit. Right, so 
And you are right that the habit requires that much sustainment reinforcement for it to stop being so much active effort of disrupting your routine and putting the extra yes. energy in. So hopefully the energy flows downhill. You right. invest in the new behavior, there starts to be a return and it is a net gain. So I agree entirely with the notion of doing this. So the, the last piece mm -hmm. is how are you going to make yourself accountable for this after two weeks? Can you ask me about it next time we meet? Uh, no, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my idea. Okay. okay, well, let me tell you why sure. I don't. Because I think while this is delightful, our conversations, and you, we certainly can talk about it, I think the sustainment, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in this torrent of topics that we're going to be involved in might be hard. Mm -hmm. And that if you had another accountability other than this, mm -hmm. one is I think the pro of you finding another accountability mm -hmm. partner is this is somebody you have perhaps greater access to than mm -hmm. just these conversations at the period that occur. So that's a pro of finding another resource. It may be hard to find another resource, like mm -hmm. who could you enlist as a buddy, sort of right. saying, I'm trying to improve my conduct at work. Will you help me with yeah. it and have a little bit of a contract? I'm going to check in with you every so often, let you know how it's right. going. Well, I actually, you know, that crossed my mind as we were talking about it, because you're right, Les. I wish we could have podcasts forever so that you could just keep checking in on me and make sure I'm still functional and being a flourishing physician 10, 20 years from now, but you know, you have a life too. So the other thought I had was I work very closely with a nurse practitioner and I've alluded to this person before because I've invited this person to go out on a lunch break with me and, and she was too busy. <laughs> she was working through her lunch. So my pros and cons are we work very well together. I could ask her to help me stay accountable to taking the break. I'm sure she would do a great job of just keeping tabs on me. The one downside is that she herself does not take breaks. So how does that play into it? Maybe I could affect her work life too. You could. So I think she may benefit from watching your experiment. <laughs> I think the ask is to ask her to oversee your experiment. That's right. And then if she plays into further solving, so much the better. Okay. Do you think that seems reasonable? It seems very reasonable. So the the pro of bringing it in our discussion here is yeah. that I will tend to it. I will ask you, how's that break thing going and explore with you the ins and outs. Okay. So that's a pro. And the, the con of that is that there'll be other things coming up yeah. that I will ask for your observation and, and reflection about right. as well. So it, it adds a rolling piece of agenda to the ad hoc agenda we have here. Maybe one or two times less to just check in on how I'm doing and then hopefully we've taken off with my nurse practitioner following right. up on me. So that, you know, that makes every bit of sense because I'm commissioning the experiment. So I think you're right. I, it's fair for me to have some accountability to oversee its right. launch. Okay. All right, good. good. Then we will get back to it. Excellent. All right. Les, something I wanted to talk to you about today was we've been focusing a lot on myself and internal um, management, but in thinking about the big picture, we deal with people on a daily basis, not just with our patients, but our team. And from there, the organization. And then from there, the system at large. I feel a little bit like 
David and Goliath, except that David was successful. So maybe I'm not David, <laughs> but you know, the little person dealing with the ginormous entity out there. There's so many levels that I have to interact with. Where do we go from here? Okay. Well, first of all, I would argue with I'm not successful. You know, I, I think you're building for success. Mm. Okay. And of course, these are enormous things that the whole profession is struggling with. But I think hopefully you are absorbing pieces to sort of figure out how to take care of yourself and then how to help your peers through the content we're offering our listening audience, how we can all mm -hmm. cope and do better. Mm -hmm. And I think that is hopefully going to emerge as a position of success. Certainly it's the uh, first rung on the way there. Right. It's providing the information from the evidence from the experts of what makes all of us successful. Mm -hmm. But you're right, in terms of looking beyond your own personal practices, we have promoted this series of conversations as potentially looking beyond the purely personal. And that brings up topics such as you say is teamwork and then finding one's voice in an organization and finding even leverage with the system. Mm -hmm. And it's our intent to get there over time with a series of people who have focused their professional work on finding out how to make that work. But the challenge to you is not having necessarily experience yet mm -hmm. of this level of phenomenon of dysfunctional teams or managing up to leadership to get things done. So this may be a challenge to the role we've asked you to play, Marie. So I'm gonna dissemble the two parts of the role that we have asked you to play. One is to be the learner and apply the learnings yourself. And the other is to be the interviewer, the one who in service of not only your own learning, but the audience's learning, interview our content experts so that they can provide key insights to all of us mm -hmm. in their domain. And that may be a, a difficult combination of roles. We've asked a lot of you as the individual to be very forthcoming and personal about your insights and apply them to you. We've also asked you to help the expert articulate what they want to make known to our listeners. And that's a more of a pedagogic role hmm. than, than a uh, personal learning role. As I've had more time to reflect on it less, as Marie, I'll always be me. <laughs> Absolutely, and glad of it. I'll bring that frankness to the table. But as I've had more time to reflect on what my role exactly is, I think that there is value in me as a young physician, just starting out in my career, to be able to interview and glean some tips from these experts, uh, from the team perspective system and organizational uh, at all levels. The reason being is because I don't wanna be that person 50 years from now who looks back and says, well, you know, I wish I knew that when I was younger, or I, knew, I wish I knew that when I was early in my career. Why not learn it now? So I know what to look out for, or what the pitfalls might be, or how to step into those roles if and when they appear in my career. What do you think? Well, I think to take the survey course, even if it's a topic whose application may be next year or five or 50 years from now, if or you never. really have a blessed <laughs> career, but uh, I think that would be quite wonderful in that spirit of inquiry. What, yes. what do have others seen coming up along the way? I may not have it here right now as right. A, a priority, but 
can, can I keep that information for finding meaning, advocacy, change that's right. uh, when it arises later? Right. I think that's a wonderful ambition to have for this. You know, I came into this wanting to be open to changing myself and my practice, but slowly through this series, I've come to realize that it's not just all about the internal or what I can manage in myself. At some point, I have to turn it external because we work with people. And I want to be part of good change for our profession. I'm not at the point yet thinking back to tell my daughter, sure, you know, being a doctor is a great profession. It's a noble thing to do. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet, but I want to get there. Okay. Well, personally, I think it was a great profession, just to put that <laughs> on the record. Okay. But it doesn't happen by itself. That's right. Right. So thriving, surviving is by intention to make it happen. So you're that's so right. right. And if we can provide content that enables you over time to do that, that's wonderful. And I was thinking about recently something that Gandhi said, which is be the change that you want to see in the world. And for a long time, I thought about, my goodness, in my everyday humdrum, the daily grind, you know, I'm taking care of the kids, I'm going to work, I'm seeing patients, how am I gonna change the world? And maybe it's just dawning on me that he wasn't talking about the whole world. Yes, Gandhi can change the whole world, mm -hmm. but we can start by doing little things in our everyday life to affect change in our spheres of influence. And that may grow as I progress in my career. And so I ultimately want to see that change and be the person of impact for the organization, for the, the whole structure of medicine. I think we can all do our part. I'm feeling rather I'm, optimistic today, can you tell? I can, and that, that is lovely. And I would like to supplement that optimism, but to say it, I think you're already doing some. Okay, the way you described coaching the patient as opposed to prescribing and telling yeah. them what to do, that is the change. And you're already exemplifying it. So I think your instincts are good and your ambition to do it better, well-placed. So very Thank good. You, Les. All right. There's still a question of how are we going to conduct these sessions? For instance, one of the uh, phenomena that occurs that isn't just about personal resilience, readiness, and modulation, energy, and so forth, is functioning in teams. Right. And I believe your immediate team is actually pretty satisfying to you. It is. I actually think we have a very well-oiled machine in many ways. And when bumps do come up, which they inevitably will, the feedback system, the openness in the communication has turned out well, I would say. I mean, you'll have to ask my nurse and my medical assistant for the real truth, but I think it's pretty well-functioning. One question I had, though, is as the de facto leader of a team, as a physician, people are looking to me for conflict resolution, for feedback, for managing the team's morale. And while I'm glad to do that, I'm really just flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> Is it possible you've never had training in this along, <laughs> and along I know the you way? It that way? Because absolutely <laughs> not. There's no way it can get jammed. You know, medical school and training is just so jam-packed full. Right. How can we fit in another course? If you think a course is needed, I'm not sure, and I'm asking. Well, I think, let's say this is the course, and I think there are things in our upcoming series about 
what matters to practice visions, including being the de facto team leader, that we can unpack some of these topics. You know, how do you create a team? What's a fair process of feedback? Mm -hmm. How do you define roles? What's process improvement? How do you make it safe for, yes. for people to belong and contribute? These are all wonderful topics. Right. So I think we can use the future content and bring experts in who can help us with that. That said, you do have the example here of a well-functioning team. So your own personal example, as opposed to this trying to find five minutes just to breathe, where it was clear improvement was needed, it's not so clear that for you right now there are pressing teamwork issues. Right. So the question I have for you is, as we go forward and these topics enter, what is your comfort with asking our experts more interview type questions as opposed to more personal learning type questions. If you don't have the case for dysfunctional team, but you know that dysfunctional teams are out there, what's your comfort, for instance, in asking our teamwork expert about observations other than from your own? Les, I think the examples are so common <laughs> that I don't have to probably look too far, to be frank, to find something applicable. And I'm willing to do that. It just takes a little bit more work. And you know what? It's worth it. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> so if I, just to make sure I hear you <laughs> yeah, correctly. Let's, let's double check that. Let's double check that you are willing to appear here in both your role as personal learner, but also as a facilitator of content. I think so, Les, and it'll be a learning curve for me, that's for sure, because I'm not, you know, I wasn't an NPR interviewer for years before coming into this role, but guess what? I have practice every day asking patients interview questions. So why not this? Why not indeed? All right, well, I think that Dr. Curious, you have been- I've lived up to my name. You've lived up to your name. You've lived up to your name, that you have been optimistic today inquiring and curious about where we might go and willing to go there. Both, I would say, in the programmatic domain that we're laying out in terms of the expansion of topics from beyond the purely personal into the social and organizational domain, as well as curious about how you can really focus and take home a piece as a beginning of better personal process better personal practice, not just have the torrent of all this well-intended good advice wash over you, but take a little drink and stop and see if you can go with it a while. Stop and savor. Stop and savor. Uh -huh. <laughs> and the other piece we talked about was finding a savoring partner. Yes. So, somebody whom you can check in with about right. how it's going. And I've also agreed going forward in order to see how well it's going, to check in with you for a time or two afterward to see has this thing gotten to a point of sustainment where you and your local resource can keep this best practice going. Very good. Okay. So I just want to say I think this has been, from my point of view, a very, very productive conversation. I'm glad to know that you feel empowered enough to try and make a small and sustainable change, that you're going to try and do it with what you've got your resources at hand. And I'll be, of course, glad to follow that with you. And that you're going to continue in that wonderful, candid, curious, spontaneous way you have. Help us all explore topics that are going to range far beyond even your own experience. And I want to really thank you for your willingness to help us do that. Thank you, Les. I feel much better after today. 
and maybe it's in light of getting more sleep this past weekend. But okay, you know, we'll talk about that too. I hope. Okay. Um, yes, I think in the we future. will. All but right. I, I truly mean it when I view you as a prism, in the sense that there's all this blinding light coming in, and we have to make sense of it. And you reflect out. Oh my goodness, this is sounding so corny, but I wanted to say it. You reflect out the rainbow. You clarify the colors. You clarify what the takeaways are. And for that, I'm forever grateful. And I'm forever grateful to have heard that. Thank you very, very much. So, Marie, we will be back again in our more usual format with a guest expert. And I'm looking forward to that conversation. And I'd like to thank the members of our listening audience again for joining us in this journey. If you have a question or a comment about today's program, email us at feedback at medpep.org or simply visit us at medpep.org. And now here's a few words from MedPep's founder, Steve Edelman. This is Dr. Steve Edelman, creator of MedPep, the Medical Professionals Empowerment Program, and director of PHS, Physician Health Services, a charitable subsidiary of the Massachusetts Medical Society. Our mission is to promote the well-being of health professionals. Many thanks to our seeker, Dr. Marie Curious, to our guide, Dr. Les Schwab, and to our wonderful group of guest experts. Hats off to project leader Dr. J. Dev Dasgupta, audio producer Douglas Stevens, guitardiologist Dr. Susie Brown, and to the staff and board of PHS. Please visit and connect with us at medpep.org for CME info, faculty bios, and additional empowerment resources.